And welcome to Life is a Beat with Janine Preston. Today with me on air, I have Janine Lazarus, who has just released her book, Bait to Catch a Killer. And I was fortunate enough to catch up with her, and we um, decided we were going to chat a little bit about a book. Hi, Janine. How are you doing? I'm all right, and you, I see you spell your name a little differently to the way I spell mine, Janine. I'm good, thank you. I'm good. I'm very excited. The book is gaining traction. It was uh, right at the front of Cape Town International Airport uh, this morning, um, and it's there's been a, a whole lot of interest. I, I, I'm still kind of tripping the light. Fantastic. There's a there's a a, a, a limited television series that's being made on my book, um, which is also extremely exciting. So. Uh, it's it's really weird. But I think that's the most exciting part is to hear um, how well you've done. I mean, I didn't know about you until I hit you on Twitter, but I'm excited to hear about your journey. Where did it start? What gave you the idea? How did you get to this point where you saw a book that's published? Janine, I was a kick-ass crime reporter in my youth. Um, I, uh, the story was everything. I mean, there was, there was, there was no, I broke just about every rule in the newsroom guide. So, you know, the whole, the whole news adage or the news motto, the news credo, my apologies, of staying out of a story was not something I embraced. Um, women were being raped and killed within a two and a half kilometer radius of my flat. Um, and I worked very closely with the murder and robbery squads of the time. They told me off the record that he was likely to be a policeman living at the Norwood Police Barracks behind my block of flats. They stayed in my flat. Um, they used my, my flat to survey the area. Wow. And one, and one dark night, they made me walk past the Norwood Police Barracks down Iris Road in an effort to lure him out. So I became, this, I became part of the story. Um, I interviewed him after he was sentenced five times to death. And it's my journey with him over the last 30 years. They've been... He, he, he applied for parole um, the first time after he was sentenced to death. I think it was 12 years afterwards. I then did a, a, a television series on Mnet called Criminal Minds. And I then had the, the fourth meeting with him. So our, our weird connection has spanned for 27 years. My goodness. And when does all of this take place time-wise? Um, when I was a young buck. Um, I was, it was 1991, 1992 when the storm broke, and I had huge newspaper coverage. It's in my book. Um, I mean, I, I, was, I was leading the front page week after week after week um, in the now defunct Sunday Star. So my husband and I went into the archival library in the center of town, four floors below the, ba- right oh my below the basement. And we literally had to go through tomes and tomes of old newspaper and we hit pay dirt after about five hours and there i saw my young smiling crooked tooth smile oh my word. Looking at, <laughs> yeah looking at me from the newspaper and i just there's always a book i think in someone janine and um you know i i, I coach in communications i and, and 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 when i tell my stories people have always said my best friends You've got to write. You've got to write. So I sat down and wrote. 
And here we are with a book. I think it's quite exciting, actually. We have a, a section on the radio on a Friday called uh, Murder and Mayhem from 3 o'clock Friday afternoon till 6 o'clock Saturday morning. And I find all these wonderful criminal stories. There's one particular one called True Crime Greg Garage, where two guys sit and pop a few beers and chat about some cases. But obviously I don't know them. And when I came across the story in, on Twitter, I just thought, wow, here's a person in our own environment, in our own backyard, that has written this amazing book um, about crime in our backyard. I mean, it's, it's something you see on, on TV, on, on ID channel, on, on, um, on True Justice and whatever else. So to actually meet you in person, well, I presume, um, it's quite an exciting thing. Cause I, I just, I'd love to hear more about, were you scared when you were in the moment? I mean, you obviously weren't scared writing it, but in that moment when you lived through it in 1991, how did that make you feel? I mean, I've done weird and wonderful things. I mean, my book deals with my dance with the darkness. I only covered, for the main part, the, the, the most ghastly stories. Um, was I scared? I guess, but the adrenaline rush of news reporting back then, it was addictive. And I was after the story. And when he was finally arrested by Eastern Murder and Robbery Squad, my editor came down on me like a ton of bricks. He said, how could you have missed in? I mean, how could you have missed out on his arrest? The story was everything. So was I scared? Yes. I slept with a, uh, not I, I don't know what, how it would help me. I slept with a cricket bat next to my bed. I mean, I don't know if I thought I was going to smash him over the head or what I was going to do. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was nervous, but the but the story was always the central focus. I was very so, you know. Uh, I, I crossed the line in so many in so many aspects. And, and I didn't ask you this, but are you Joburg or Cape Town or Durban or? I'm Johannesburg based, but I, I, I work and I, I train internationally. I mean, I've, I've been to the weirdest and wildest places. I've always pushed, pushed the limits. Uh, who knows why? And in, back in 1991, how did the police find you or how did you go? To, did you visit them and say, hey, guys, I'm, I'm kind of in your patch? No, I was a crime reporter. I was a true blue crime reporter. I have uh, 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 blood in my ink stream. Um, I, I come from the days of the, of the Rand Daily Mail, or just after the Rand Daily Mail. I was a crime reporter. The police, I had Am a pager. I, I had a pager. There were no cell phones. There was no internet. There was no Twitter. There was so, no social media. It was, it, was, it, it was shoe leather to the ground. You had to get up off your buns and go out and get a story. There was no... And, and that's what it was about. It was the cut and thrust of hot metal and printing press. And that but was the, just I, sort of, we, we had a lot of stories about the Stunder gang and all of that at the time. That's right. That's right. And in fact, it was a pivotal time in South Africa, which I deal with in my book, because we were moving into our first democracy. You know, uh, it's only Klerk and Nelson Mandela had just been awarded the, the Nobel Peace Prize. There was the Boypatong Massacre. I worked with the photographers um, on the, from the Bang Bang Club. I think we lost seven cameramen in the space, space, in the space of 16 months before our first elections. Sure. And so this, this story is set in a very pivotal time in South Africa, and it also deals with, it's basically the story of a journalist, um, an editor, and the police, and uh, there's, there's a serial killer running through it. 
Wow. And and do you use um, creative license or uh, is it pretty true throughout the book? It's uh, one thing about me, Janine, is authenticity. There's no, there's no lie there. It's very raw. It's very real. It's very naked. Makes me feel quite vulnerable. There's not one word of a lie in there. It's all stories I've covered and all my experiences. Wow. And and I haven't seen the book or read the book, considering I only met you on the weekend okay, so um, because of Rabbit. That's it. Wow. And yeah, that's it. And uh, just I know I know we're doing a, a podcast, but but that was that was the young Janine. My goodness. And uh, and these are these are the stories that that dominated the the center pages. So that's that's the killer. And that was my story. Um, oh, goodness me. And, and, and there you also have, if you have a look here, and I realize this is silly on a, on a podcast, but I must show you. Those are the stories that, that led. Oh, the newspaper the stories. That is so cool to have that printed in the book. I just love it when books yes. have um, pictures in the middle. You know, they have text, and then in the middle somewhere they have a range of photographs that explain a little bit about the theater which you have been reading. So that you have a yes. better picture of, of what it is you, you're going through. And I look forward to the podcast because um, I, I love podcasts. And, and I know that a lot of people enjoy listening to them no matter how long they are. Are That's you going true. to be the narrator or is there going to be different voices? Uh, there's, there's going to be a five-part podcast on, can I say the radio station? Of course, yes. Okay, on Jacaranda FM. Um, the first one drops on the 13th of September. It's going to be really kind of edge of your seat stuff. Um, I've mapped out exactly what I've got on each episode. Um, it's not going to obviously give a game away on, about the book because then nobody's going to going to read it. Absolutely. But it's been professionally done. It's been professionally done. It'll be shared on Spotify, Google, and on the various platforms. And it'll also go out to East Coast Radio. So. Oh, that I is really so awesome. It. Yeah, I know that. That's um, I must say, uh, we're hoping to have a partnership with Jacaranda because we have such a wide audience around the world of South Africans living everywhere. So one of the most exciting things is when somebody in our circle, um, and that's you and I, um, does something great. It's always so nice to share it. So I'm hoping that your book will be on the shelves of the South African stores overseas as well, because I know everybody be wanting to grab a book. Well, interestingly enough, uh, it, it's reached, I don't know how, it's reached Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, um, Small world. <laughs> yeah, I don't, know how, I don't know how it got there, but, you know, I, I just, it would be great, but I'd just be happy if the, book, uh, if the book does well here. But, you know, crime is not everybody, the crime genre is not everybody's genre, but it's interesting, Janine, that if you look at the stats in terms of who watches the crime channel, 73 73% of the population, certainly in South Africa, are women who watch the crime. Crime channel, I know. So, yeah, so, I, you know, I'm just hoping that, um, that that the people who watch the crime channel will enjoy reading this. Well, the interesting thing is my husband always says he doesn't know if he should be frightened because I watch the crime channel. And he's sort of saying, well, should I be a scared? And I said, no, all those people were caught. <laughs> So you don't have to worry. If I kill you, I won't get caught. <laughs> exactly right. Women are very clever like that, you know. I, I, I know. I, 
is there any other book that's coming up or have, what else have you got in the pipeline now that you've so finished I mean, this project? I mean, you know, I, I, I'm a, I run a media consultancy and I'm very blessed. I basically coach big corporates, government, uh, big blue chip companies on how to deal with the media. I'm a, a media consultant and a media advisor. And I'm blessed I've got a lot of work and of course that's got to pay the bills. And I just have to tell you, Janine, that this book, I've, I've never given birth, I wasn't lucky enough. This book was blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> I, I can imagine. I, I sobbed before I hit the send button um, and sent it off to my publisher. It was, it took every last bit of guts out of me. So is there going to be another book? I first got to earn some money and then maybe. Um, I was thinking of doing something around my, my what I'm doing right now, but I think that's going to be really that's going to dull in going to be very dull in comparison to the, my kind of books I made. <laughs> but even the fact that you've done one, oh, just so congratulations! I think that is just amazing. Um, I look at anybody who's got the guts to write a book. I mean, I have a blog, and that's hard enough. I got to write in that every day, and. I just look at women like yourself and you've got a life, you've got a company, you've got a business, you work and you produce a book. So I think that just requires so much, not only stamina, but you have to be, um, you have to, to, to know that you, you must sit down and you need to do that. It's no copping out, you know. Yeah, and it's, you know, the, the publisher was the publisher, I presented the first 13 and a half thousand words to the publisher and she went, what must I do with this? This is like a long essay. This is not a book. Oh, my word. And I thought, and I thought oh, my God. And so I started adding to it and adding to it. And it, it, it eventually developed into a book. But it was, you know, there's, there's acres, not hours, acres of research into that book. Um, it is, I had to get absolutely every fact right. I mean, it spans 30 years. So... It was very intense. And, and are still more, some of the people I'm, still alive that you worked with or with COVID well, and have they passed on? Well, the killer certainly is. You'll see in the book that I, I, I went to see him fairly recently. Um, so you'll see that in the book. The man who arrested him wasn't. The late, great criminologist, Dr. Arma Labiskakhmi, has, has died. I spent hours with her in her quaint office in, in, in I think, Centurion, uh, in, in, just outside Pretoria. And she used to spend hours interviewing serial killers and multiple rapists behind bars. Um, and I used to inhale her smoke. She actually died of lung cancer. And um, so all of the, all of the players, uh, his victims, I mean, it's the woman he killed. The families broke up, you know. It's very, very sad. He left her... He cut a swathe of fear through my suburb and he left families devastated. In terms of um, his, his life, obviously, versus yours, there's two different streams. But um, if he received five different life sentences, why is he still alive? Well, because he was sentenced in 1990, 1993 to death. To death, yeah, with five death sentences. But when the, when the current government came into power, um, the new constitution... Oh, they took away the, the death, death penalty. penalty. So he's now serving a, a life sentence, and he keeps applying for parole. So uh, let's hope they don't let him out. 
gee, that, that would be quite devastating, actually. Um, going back, do you think that South Africa's criminal system is as good as those that are around the world? What, what's your just your personal opinion? Look, I, I can't speak with any authority about what's going on around the world. I mean, I, I work in several African countries and I do work internationally. What I can say is that crime is crime, that victims are victims, that tragedy is tragedy. But, but I, I see a, 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 a police services that is stretched. I see a justice system that is drowning. And I, and I'm worried, you know, I mean, I don't, I think, I think, I think more people come forward and report crime. Um, there's obviously not, black people are not regarded as a homogenous mass without an identity. Um, they have names, they have faces. It's not like the reportage of old. But I, you know, for me, crime is crime. Um, it's just, it, 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 it's just, in my own view, it's just escalating, and I don't think that that leadership has got it under control. I think they've got many, many flats on their hands. Yeah, I must say, when I look at old Cyril and I think what he took over, when he took over, he not only took over the criminal system, the poor man took over COVID. I mean, COVID landed on his lap squealy and there was no, no nobody before him that could give him any any advice. Um, I still hard to deal with that. Um, he's had the looting to deal with. He's had so many challenges, that man. I, I must tell you, I looked at him and I thought, you know what? For all the mo for all the money in the world, <laughs> I wouldn't have your job. <laughs> and that's what leadership is about. You know, that's leadership. I mean, a leader's got a leader. No, no. Listen, I understand that, but I'm just saying, from a personal perspective, I just look at the weight of what he took over. And I just think whether he does the right thing or he does the wrong thing, he's damned if he does and he's damned if he doesn't. So, you know, it's just, it's as you say, it's a matter of opinion. Of opinion. I, I, I know I lived in the UK for a while and um, everybody always assumes that the grass is greener on the other side. But their crime is more violent because it's more personal. It's about knives, knives and stabbings and... And it's quite horrendous, actually, what they 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 have, and and, versus, and they're always saying, "Oh, but crime in South Africa is bad." Let me tell you, there's crime around the world. There's no levels of bad or good, or it is what it is. And except they're a little ahead of us in that they've got cameras on all the street corners and they can follow criminals and catch them a lot quicker. Here we don't have that facility, you know. Um, so yeah, I think it's a it's pretty much a a thing <laughs> but I'm glad to hear you back into work and and just before we close tell me a little bit about what Janine does normally without the book <laughs> works she works 24 7 she is a she's a, I have more animals than well not exactly but I'm an animal fanatic I've got dogs cats and birds and I as I said I I put executives in the hot seat, I hammer them with questions, I take no prisoners, and I work in the communication space. So across, you know, media training, um, writing skills training, key message development, um, branding, uh, presenting, public speaking, those kinds of things. So that's what I do. Um, I love nature. And um, I love tucking, you know, into bed with a good book, but it's interesting that, that since I've written my book, I can't read. 
and just maybe because I spend so many hours. <laughs> Absolutely. I open a book and I just I just cannot. I suppose because also I'm at my laptop all day, so I've had enough by the end of the day. I found that um, podcasts and um, stories. Uh, I've started with audible books. I found that the transition from reading a book to listening to a book was very difficult because I had one person's voice throughout the book and if I didn't like his voice in the beginning that was me done didn't couldn't listen to it so I started to move away from it but audible books began a series of podcasts which is when I fell in love with podcasting which was a couple of years ago was when journalists such as yourself um, would be out there interviewing and you'd hear different voices different perspectives and that's when I fell in love with podcasting and I now listen to mainly podcasts where there are discussions. There has to be more than one voice for me to enjoy a podcast. So a lot of the, 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 the material I play on the radio, uh, when I find material that I really enjoy, I find a space for it on radio because then others can enjoy it too. Um, with my um, ability to find things, um, for instance, in September, there's the 2nd of September, um, 1945, was the end of World War II. And there's a wonderful series by Max Hastings, who wrote this book about, um, uh, he wrote the book about World War II and how it really was. Not the Hollywood version, not the Holocaust version, but a version of events from everybody's point of view. And it's 32 hours, I think, but it has a wonderful narrator. Um, and I'm in fact going to play it through September for uh, some of the elderly uh, war vets that they can also hear the stories and what came out of the war, the diaries of people who lived in the different countries, the stories of how people fought in the different countries. And just a fabulous series. So sometimes Audible can be really good and sometimes it can take away that theatre that you have in your mind of what that character looks like. You know, I loved my Harold Robbins series. And you can't do the audible on that. Yeah. I tried that. <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> there's, something from a, there's something from a kind of an old an old journalist where, as I said, you know, there was a, a boots to the ground. There's something to be said about turning a page over. You know, there's something incredibly tactile about it. I could never read a book on Kindle for, for argument's sake. I can't do that. I need, I mean, I come from the world of print journalism, so Absolutely. Me, you know, if I travel, if I, if I travel, you know, and now we don't do that with COVID, but there's always more books in my suitcase than there is anything else, because, you know, if I, if, whether I'm working and facilitating workshops outside my own country, um, you know, my books always weigh more than my toilet seat. <laughs> <and my toilet. laughs> but that's wonderful, though, because I think the smell of a new book is like the smell of a new car. You can't beat it, actually. They need to, to make need some sort of spray like that. I must, I must share with you, because this is probably... I dedicated, I dedicated my book to my beloved late parents. Um, I wish they were with me now, because I think they'd be pretty proud. I also dedicated it to the North Killers Five Victims. But I must share with you that when I was a little girl, my mother and I would go to the Linden Library and um, I would be allowed to pick three books and she would, and I would often argue and try and smuggle out five. Um, and she would pick her books. And every Thursday afternoon, we would lie on her bed in the main bedroom, eating very heavily salted popcorn. 
and we would read our books and I would look at her and I'd go, Mom, I don't, Mommy, I don't understand a word. She marched me off to go and get a dictionary and look it up. And that's how I learned my love of reading. Oh, my word. That's amazing. Oh, no, I, I, I've, I've always written. As a kid, I used to, they used to say, okay, you need to write an essay of 500 words. I was like, how can you tell a story in that 500 words? So I'd always submit a story of 5,000 words. And the teacher would always say, you know, I'd love the story, but I could only mark up to 500. Then I had children, and I thought, yes, I can't wait for them to bring their first like um, request for an essay home. And they brought it home, and they'd say, okay, we can choose out of four sub, you know, four topics. Then I'd say, okay, let's choose that one because we can tell a really good story. And they'd say, five hundred words, Ma. Then we'd get to five hundred, and I would only just get started. And the kids would go, no, no, you, if you count all the spaces, the I, the F, the I'm up to 500. I said, but you mid-sentence. 500. That's what they asked. And I was so disappointed because I would be just getting into the story and having this whole background and talking about somebody from outer space or a train trip or whatever. And my children just never, they didn't have, I'm not saying they're not wonderful children. They just didn't see the world the way I did. (laughs) In this, in this, in this new age, people communicate in characters, don't they? Um, I know. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, I can't understand the acronyms. You know, I can't understand why you would want to use LOL when you're saying, uh, you know, lo- laughing out loud. It just for me, it doesn't make sense. No, before my mother passed away, we we taught her that WTF was a wow, that's wonderful. So she had wow, that's wonderful all over Facebook, and we loved it because we thought that'll teach you Oaks to have three letter acronyms. We loved my mother's comments. She'd always write in the comments, now don't tell anyone, but your father's going to be doing this. And it's, uh, it's, Mom, it's on Facebook. Yes, but I was writing to tell you. Yes, Mom, but when you write it there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just love the innocence of that. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. I think, I think, I think the world has lost its innocence, hasn't it? It's, it's, oh, it so um, has. They, they, there's so much to be missed when, when you want to tell a story. You'll notice on my Facebook page, and I think I saw you comment or you, you liked yesterday when I did the who I was interviewing today and what my story was for today. Everybody says, why don't you just do a paragraph? I said, how can I tell a story in a paragraph? How can I tell my whole day in a paragraph? I can't. That's why I don't use Twitter to say what I've got on the radio because when I put the same post across, most of it is read. <laughs> And then I'm going to try and figure out how am I going to say what's on the radio in five words. <laughs> so my blog is called Life is a Beach as well. And again, um, I write copious pages on Facebook because I've stored it on Facebook purely because when I download it, it downloads uh, the whole series. And yeah, I write and I write my whole story. I write who I am. It's who I am. It writes the story. And like you... When you have a story to tell, how on earth are you going to tell it in five words? <laughs> well, 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 interestingly enough, when I came, um, after I'd interviewed him, he had just been sentenced five times to death. I arrived in the newsroom and the editor presented me with a glass, with a, glass, sorry, with a mug of very expensive uh, Scotch whiskey 
to celebrate the fact that I've secured an exclusive interview with a monster behind bars. Wow. He, he told me that I could write up the story in his, in his office, and you understand this was hallowed ground. This was like winning the Oscar. And um, the, 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 the sub-editors wanted 30 column centimeters. That's the, that's the length of a ruler. How can I get this, this Clarice Starling, Hannibal Lecter, Silence of the Lamb story down in 30 column centimeters? Well, I had to. So, I, I, you know, that, that's my training as a news reporter. The, the detail of my, of my time with him was in the body of the paper, but down the front page was just 30 column centimeters. Wow. And that must have taken more thought than the entire article. Well, it did because I had I was I was on the phone to my mom crying because she was always my sounding board. Um, she's telling her about this thing and uh, very excited. I was drinking the editor's whiskey on the other hand. Oh my word. On the other hand, the sub editors were screaming at me to give them 30, 30 column centimeters for the front page. It was very difficult, but I mean they I must have given them. I probably gave them triple that. They just cut it. Sub-editors can be absolutely brutal, and that's, that's, I come from the world of, of, of sub-editors, and of, you know, you can't be precious about your copy, they cut like you cannot believe. Oh, I remember that, because I used to work for the Four Ways um, Review, I was the editor, and then whenever I wrote a story, they'd just chop, hack, and chop, eventually I said to them, why don't you be there, why don't you be a journalist, go on, you go write the story, you go and tell that person whose story you took that you haven't got space for their, for their, for their heart, because you took the heart out of it. <laughs> so I started my own magazine, because that way I could use copious pages <laughs> to tell my story, so it's so lovely to meet somebody who feels the same way I do about the, about the love of words and what words can really do. And that's that's the most exciting well, part. Words, I always say words have a heartbeat. Um, when I when I run uh, writing workshops for corporates, I go just because you are writing a piece for your internal audience doesn't mean that you have to bore them to death. You can still inject color in your copywriting, still within corporate boundaries, but you are allowed to. You need to write so that people want to read your internal. You know, your, whether it's intranet or however it is, you need to make your writing captivating. Words need to fly off the page. They need, I have a favorite author who um, who writes in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and he describes the, the setting of the sun over the bayou and the, the thrashing of the alligator's tails, and you can smell the shrimp oh uh, cooking. You can you can smell the garlic of the shrimp cooking in in they don't call it fries in their barbecues and you can feel the kind of voodoo energy about what's going on in your life. I I'm, I love him. His 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 writing literally has a heart. That's amazing. I'm really pleased. I love the writing that, especially the older authors, always knew exactly how to say things. And then when you write it, you think, oh my word, why does my intro not quite sound the same? <laughs> the aspiring writers, to all the aspiring writers out there, um, Janine Lazarus, um, go and catch a copy, pick up a copy, bait to catch a killer, um, available where is it available? I know it's available in Cape Town Airport, but where else is it available? It's available across exclusive books, 
bargain books, all good book, book stores, all good bookstores. <laughs> and it's also available online. It's on Amazon. Um, so, yes, it's out there. And uh, yesterday I walked into exclusive near, near where I live and I saw my book on the shelves and I, I had a... I thought, well, here it is. This is mine. This is my baby. That is so cool. And did you take a selfie of yourself next to your book? Absolutely. I can even show it to you. If you oh, like. please do, because, you know, when I had the magazine on board the aircraft on Velvet Sky, I took a photograph of somebody reading the magazine. <laughs> I know. And of course, there you go. There I am with my book. Oh, that is so cool. That is such a lovely photo. Now, that needs to be on oh. the book. <laughs> yeah, it's a little too casual, I think, but yeah. yeah oh, no, listen, really sometimes it's it's you after the fact. I think while you were yeah. in the fact, there was a lot more to it, but after the fact, you deserve to be as casual as you want. <laughs> and I look forward to reading it, so we'll have a chat again once I've read it, because then I'm a little bit closer Good. to the story. I didn't want to have too much information today for our interview because I really wanted you to tell me a lot. Well, I hope I did. And Janine, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. It's very kind of you, and I'm really grateful. I'm Janine Preston. It's been Life is a Beach. And, of course, it has been a beach. It was my first live broadcast um, using Zoom. So <laughs> the beginning was a bit challenging when you heard the two of us talking to each other. But you have to learn sometime, hey? And I've certainly done that. I'm Janine Preston. You're on SA Commuter Radio.